In one week, if you haven't already cast your ballot by then, voters will go to the polls on important local races. This is really grassroots governance where the decisions that are made have the most direct impact on you, especially school board races. Here in Springfield District 186, we have two contested school board races on the ballot. One of those is in Subdistrict 5, where incumbent Tiffany Mathis is facing a challenger, Buffy Lael Wolf. We'll be talking to both of them today, and we start with the incumbent Subdistrict 5 school board member, Tiffany Mathis, live with us here this afternoon. Tiffany, thanks so much for taking the time. Great to have you here on the program. Hey, thanks, Jim, for asking me to be part of it. Proud uh, to be here. Uh, let's start with a little bit of the backstory, although you are, are certainly sure. well-known in the community even before you joined the school board. Give us a bit of your background and what prompted your interest in joining the school board in the first place. Well, I was born and raised here in Springfield. Uh, both my parents have been very active in this community. My mother, as an educator and director of many parent-focused and family-focused programs, uh, my dad retired from Department of Corrections and then um, spent 14 years on the city council um, as alderman there, board two in Jacksonville, Illinois. Um, so definitely a lover of public service and community service. Moved back here to the Springfield community um, after, you know, going away to college and coming back and moving and coming back and uh, went back to work for Boys and Girls Clubs and, uh, you know, started joining boards and different things and really getting involved back here in Springfield. And when the opportunity came to uh, apply to be on the school board, because Donna Moore at the time had moved out of our sub-district, um, I put my application in and was the person that the board selected to take over that uh, sub-district five seat, which is why I'm currently serving on the school board today. And now running for a full term in your own right, and uh, even with uh, less time on the board than most of the other members there, you have certainly made your mark, particularly uh, in the past uh, year or so with the school district response to the pandemic. You've really become uh, the voice of uh, getting kids back into school, back into classrooms more quickly. Tell me about this mm -hmm. this process and uh, what why you've taken the stand you have on this? Well, as many people know, I am the CEO and executive director of the Boys and Girls Clubs of Central Illinois, which is located here in Springfield and now in Jacksonville. And we operate in 17 locations, 16 of which are school-based. Um, and then we have our standalone club site on 15th Street. So at the height of the pandemic, that March when schools, uh, when Governor Pritzker gave the order and schools closed, about around April, um, I was asked to join Governor Pritzker's work group with 90 other professionals across the state, including IDCH, ISBE, which is Illinois State Board of Education, other youth service directors and agencies to come up with recommendations in various categories that would drive forward the guidances that would come out for phase four reopenings of schools, daycares, summer programs, everything youth-related, because as we were progressing out of the phases, people were going to be going back to work and we needed to figure out what we were going to do about how kids would return to learn in school. So also at the time I was the vice chair of the Serve Illinois Commission that is in charge of community service and volunteerism for the entire state of Illinois, also answerable to the governor's office. So I had a lot of information very early on about the pandemic. There were 700 plus daycares open throughout the state, even back in April 2020, that were effectively serving youth. And of the issues that we were seeing and the cases that were springing up, 
the handful of cases that um, were being reported were the adults. It was not the kids. So we already knew very early on there was a way for us to mitigate enough risk to have a certain amount of kids in a building and what that protocol should look like. Um, so, you know, when you talk about being the voice of getting kids back in schools, um, you know, I, again, had a lot of information and there's been a lot of talk of following the science and following all the guidances. Well, we had that. So I felt very confident. I had seen the model work. We put it into practice here at the Boys and Girls Club and decided to move forward with our summer program with reduced numbers as recommended by the, the guidance that had come out. Um, and we were very successful with that. But my main issue is that the needs of the community do not end just because we're in a pandemic. And we had a lot of people going back to work and trying to figure out how they were going to get an education for their child and balance keeping their jobs. So it was a very important issue. Um, one of the, the complaints I hear uh, a lot from teachers and from some parents as well is that they feel like uh, the metrics changed um, a, a lot. Uh, and now mm-hmm. we, don't, we don't even have specific metrics as we're about to reopen schools more widely. Uh, talk about that aspect of it. Do you feel like the district's been consistent in its approach to this and in, in communicating uh, to parents what they can and should expect? I think that there's a couple issues there. Number one, we never needed to put in our own metrics. That was always a misnomer and always an issue that I had when, uh, you know, when sitting on the school board. The phase that we're in is driven by positivity rates, other things from a regional level, because by that time, our state had then been broken into regions, because, you know, one of the larger complaints was, well, if Chicago's having an issue, that shouldn't affect us downstate. So the entire state had been broken into its own regions. And depending on where that region was in positivity rates and hospital bed availability, it would then drive mitigation factors that were tiered that would then drive the phase guidance. If we went back a phase, it would change what was open and what was closed. However, schools were never part of that system of things that was to shut down, dependent upon what phase we were in. So it was very frustrating to me that we as a board had to then hash out conversation about creating these metrics locally to drive whether we should be in schools or not, instead of, of following the guidance that had been provided to us by Illinois State Department of Public Health and Illinois State Board of Education, together came out with a joint phase four for reopening schools document where they implored upon school districts to please prioritize in-person learning for our most vulnerable learners, which would have been ages 13, to preschool uh, learners with uh, 504 plans or um, IEPs, it was very disappointing to me that that guidance wasn't followed. Um, When it comes to communication, which is at the district level, you have heard me say various times on school board meetings, I don't understand why we're always behind. As a parent myself, I want to know information as soon as I can know it so that I can make a plan for my life and what I'm going to do with my children, depending upon the decisions that were made. I'm not happy about last-minute decisions that could have been made a long time ago either. But I do think that there was not enough time spent this summer working on a dual plan of what are we doing with remote learners and what are we going to do for hybrid learners. And instead, remote conversation became the name of the game instead of um, really providing this community what it had asked for and teachers, too, 
one of the choice to return back to the classroom or remain remote. And I think that people should have had that choice. Talking with Tiffany Mathis, she is the sub-district five member of the Springfield School Board running for a full term in next week's election. Uh, of course, next week on Election Day is when students uh, who are in the hybrid model can start to go back to school more widely. Uh, the mm-hmm. district's COVID dashboard, a much more detailed uh, document available on their website, shows that as of right mm-hmm. now, we have 476 District 186 students in exclusion because of possible exposure to the virus. How do you see this mm-hmm. playing out for these last two months of the school year as we more widely reopen? Should we expect more kids to be exposed and be out of school and more teachers potentially as well? Where does this all go from here? Um, I think in my personal feeling, because of the lack of groups working together effectively, like the adults that we are and should be and professionals that we are, what has tended to happen is there's been so much arguing all of the time, it it slows down the process of figuring out a way through things. So what I'm not willing to do is go through what we went through last summer and watching no progress and then finding out in the fall, well, we don't really have a we have a plan, but we don't have a plan. My thing is this, if we if we open reopen schools more widely, which literally everyone else around us is open, the parochial schools have been open this entire time. Um it will give us good preparation, even in this last six weeks, to not only provide learners with more days in person, which they wanted, families wanted, teachers wanted. Um, it will also give us a good idea of what the next school year is going to look like, which is going to start in, what, another five months, four months? So I did not feel comfortable not sending kids back to school and then hoping that things would go well in August. And I don't think that that's fair to parents or students on what to expect for the fall. So I think this will put us in good practice. Of course, you're going to always see an increase in, hey, there may have been a possible exposure, but once we get people more heavily vaccinated, even the exclusions for um, quarantining for those that are, are vaccinated are completely different. So I think that there's going to be a constant change in what's happening. Um, I'm not necessarily... Um, uh, a fan of kids having to be excluded, but you also have families that have three and four kids, and that's just what we're, that's what the rules are right now, and that's what we're going to follow. Um, but schools have proven not to be super spreader events, and they're not because of proper mitigations that have been put in place. And I just want to say, too, before we end our interview, you know, we have got some heroes and champions within our school district, which has been our janitorial staff, it has been our, uh, you know, food service staff that have pivoted so hard to make sure the kids were eating, the buildings were clean, and they've done an excellent job. So I also think we do need to highlight the fact that people are working very hard to make sure the kids are going to be as safe as they possibly can be in the schools following the mitigation factor or mitigation standards that have been put in place. COVID's not going away anytime soon, so we have to figure out how to work through it. And I'm not willing to watch our children in this community fail Um, quarter after quarter we have to do something and we have to do better this is obviously not the only issue facing the school board what are some of your other priorities if you uh, win next week um some of my other priorities is addressing credit recovery for our high school students and what that's going to look like um i actually serve on the illinois state board of education assessment review committee now um which looks at sats and you know and, and kind of like those tests standardized tests and different things we do throughout the state of Illinois, um, and I also serve on Illinois State Board of Education Social Science Standard Review Committee, which is looking at making sure that, uh, you know, the history that's being taught in schools is, is much more inclusionary. 
So I would say immediately for our school district, most certainly is addressing how do we get kids caught up? Because, you know, one of the issues we face at Boys and Girls Clubs is making sure that we don't have any summer brain loss of information that they've gathered throughout the school year. Well, now we're battling 10 months of kids not being in person, a lot of information being lost. We've seen it in the grade reports. We've seen it in the lack of engagement that uh, students are having throughout the school district. So I think that as a district, we need to be partnering with all of our community partners. That's the YMCA. That's the Urban League. That's anyone that has the capacity to serve students that's been supportive of the district students so far. And we need to collectively address, you know, whether that's staying open later, how do we make sure that kids are able to, you know, finish or catch up or take extra courses. So I think that there's a lot to unpack there and it's not going to be a simple job, but it's most certainly a community-wide issue. Um, and I just want to continue to make sure that parents and constituents and community members feel like they have a voice on the board that will not be swayed, bullied, or uh, pressured by anybody's interest groups over the welfare and uh, educational advancement of students that we're serving in this community because they are our future leadership and they are our biggest asset right now. What, what do I mean, you mean? We need to make sure that they're taken care of. What do you mean when you say interest groups? Who are you referring to? Um, I'm saying this. I'm not one to um, only focus on one voice that needs one thing because I understand that this school district is comprised of teachers. It's comprised of our custodians. It's comprised of parent educators, students, um, you know, parents, single parents, foster parents. What I am saying is I tend to look at things from a global level when it comes to who needs what and how do we achieve things. I think that um, what a lot of people don't understand about being on the school board is no one's happy with any decision you make ever, and you're going to hear about it. And I think that if you um, have a very thin skin, it is very easy to feel like, oh, my gosh, did I do the right thing? Um, I have been very steadfast in my decisions, and I continue to do so, but I continue to put students and families first um, when it comes to a concern about their education. I think that that's very, very important. When you and say, I think that I've been very consistent about that. But when you say special interest, are you referring specifically to the Springfield Education Association, which endorsed your opponent in this race? Yes, I'm aware that they did endorse my appointment. No, not necessarily, because depending on decisions that are being made, it depends on who's going to be upset. That could be parents of um, students who were receiving four days of Zoom instruction, right? And they were concerned about, hey, well, when we move to more days for hybrid students, is that going to affect my students' ability to um, get less days on Zoom? Right. So you might hear more from one group about one thing that is affecting them. We have to take all of that information and then work together to do the best outcome we can to solve as much of the issue as possible. So, again, a, a group is a group. So it just kind of depends on what we're talking about. But I don't look at there's no one group that I think necessarily louder than another. I just think you have to get consideration to what we're talking about, because hybrid parents had a very loud voice that I heard. And I said, okay, great. Well, then how do we figure out how to best serve you and make sure that those that want to be remote are able to do so? I think that that's very important. Uh, um, one last question. We're almost out of time here yes, before sir. I let you go. Um, you, yeah. you are a parent yourself. Do your children attend yes, District 186 schools? So both of my girls had attended District 186 schools. They were ball charter. 
Um, as you know, I run the Boys and Girls Club. I also am the wife of a U.S. postal mail carrier who's been busier than he's ever been, working six days a week, 12-hour days, and is also a military veteran. There was no possible way me as a parent with three children was going to be able to um, educationally support my children while serving several hundred kids within this district. And I knew that that was not going to work for me as it didn't work for many parents that were frontline workers and trying to figure out how are we going to make this work. Um, I made the decision to pull my children out of ball charter because they had decided to go remote. My baby girl was starting kindergarten and was super excited about school. And that first week on Zoom broke my heart to watch the light go out of her eyes for what she loves so much about school. And I placed them both at St. Al's. And they have both had um, an excellent experience. St. Al's has worked extremely hard to keep our kids masked and safe. We have not experienced any issues there. Um, and my older daughter, who was in fourth grade and was not doing well in school until I moved her, is now getting A's and B's on her report card. I'm very proud of her. And I think that people need to keep in mind, parents are educationally responsible for their children. And I'm responsible for Tiffany Mathis's children. So I did what I would not have been privileged to do five years ago, not making enough money um, in order to send my kids to private school. That's a sacrifice. But it was one I was willing to make for sure to ensure my kids are being educated in a way that I felt they deserve. If people so, want to know um, more, know, I'm sorry, I, I'm yeah, out of time here, but if people want to know more about your campaign uh, and, and your issues, how can they find out more about it? Um, it's P. Mathis for 186 on Facebook, um, or they can simply email me or give me a call. Uh, all that information is listed on the district's website. Tiffany Mathis, Subdistrict 5 School Board member, candidate in next week's election. Thank you very much for your time. We do appreciate it. Jim, I appreciate you for having me on. You take care.